adults with low literacy skills are three times more likely to be in poverty, four times more likely to have poor health, and eight times more likely to be incarcerated. We, the educators, want to help you improve those numbers. How? Through this podcast. We, the educators, believe in the importance of integrity, social justice, domestic literacy, common understanding, overall well-being, and the blessings of opportunity for all people. And we establish this podcast as a podcast of educators, by educators, and for educators. Okay, folks, welcome to what is officially episode one of the We the Educators podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Earl Breon, and my co-host is... Raymond Lordani, and looking forward to it, Earl. Oh, well, I am too. Uh, We picked a great topic for this one. If you hadn't checked out the introductory episode to find out more about us and Seabree, make sure you go do that and come right back here because as we mentioned in that show, in this episode, we're going to be talking about appreciative inquiry. Uh, Now, Raymo, I asked you in the intro to just kind of give a quick summary of appreciative inquiry, but you know, take a little bit more time now, like expand. What is appreciative inquiry and why did we pick this for episode one? Well, appreciative inquiry is basically the whole entire approach that Seabree does when working with communities or organizations. What we do is the appreciative part is we appreciate the positive core that comes with people bringing what they have to an event, a situation, an opportunity. Then through discovering, dreaming, designing, and the destiny, the four Ds of it, is we begin to appreciate, envision results, co-construct the results, very important, Earl, co-constructing, and then sustaining. Then by doing it that way, we get ownership on the part of everybody for community improvement. And even though appreciative inquiry was developed as a business strategy. Many of us transformed it, brought it into the community building, community development uh, world. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And, and I got a lot of ideas bouncing around my head right now from, uh, from the leadership world. But before we get down that uh, rabbit hole, if you will, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about each one of those Ds. So you mentioned they were discovery, dream, design, and destiny. So discovery, what what is the discovery D and why is that important? Discovery is what begins mobilizing the entire system and engaging stakeholders. So to make it concrete, when we're working in a community, we discover what what gives this community life. Who are its people? What do they do? And what do they value? So then by the articulation of the strengths of those people, in addition to the stakeholders, stakeholders being member families, business leaders, religious organization leaders, nonprofit leaders, and so forth, we begin to, in quotes, identify the best of what has been and the best of what is. So as they come to this event, this opportunity, we identify the best of what they have to bring to it. And then we leverage that for ownership, 
for instruction and so forth. That's the discovery. So let's talk about that one a little bit before we move on to, to the next, uh, next D there. So, uh, you know, working in more of kind of the private sector, if you will, uh, where I see a lot of folks struggle with this is when they are trying to discover what needs to be done. It's usually just like a top layer of decision makers that get asked these questions. Um, if I understood you right, this approach really kind of hinges on not just relying on the top layer, but getting down uh, through all of the layers of, of society, layers of the community, layers of the organization, however you want to break it down. You really need to get down to, to where the rubber meets the road, right? Exactly, Earl. That's it in a nutshell, is we do not discern specific people who are, in quotes, worthy to contribute to this, to the building process. What we do is we look at, as you say, all layers, all right? We go from the top execs to the, the organizational leaders to the people hanging out on the street corner singing a song. They all have something to offer. They have a perspective. And this is what the positiveness is, is this is what they have to bring. So when we come in there and we actually work with them, we don't tell them how it should be. We listen to them. We interview them. We create conversation opportunities. And so tell us from your perspective, from your life situation, tell us about your community. Tell us the good things. Tell us where we can things can be improved. So we are discovering what gives this community life and the best way to proceed for maximizing and improving its health, proficiency, and opportunities. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. All right, let's go to the next D, dream. What is dream and why is it important? Dreaming gives us what might be. Given the circumstances of the world, given this community and where it has been, where it was, and where it could be, we dream, we envision results. And what does that mean? We create clear, in quotes, results-oriented vision, okay, in relation to the discovered potential that exists. And we relate those to higher purposes, such as what is this community, this neighborhood, this region, what is it being called to become? So as we change from, and especially in the Pittsburgh area, to give a story, we're looking at steel workers and coal miners. But as the world is changing to a higher technology-based understanding, it is now trying to be on the forefront of the informational age, as it were, the high-tech informational age. So we dream, okay, what can we do as far as that goes? So we bring in people like Google. We bring in people like Amazon and other high-tech giants. But what we need to understand is that is an opportunity for improvement. And so we dream, what can the residents of the various neighborhoods and municipalities in and around the Pittsburgh region dream to become? 
Yeah, no, and and I think that is extremely valuable as well because you know you're really talking about goals and goal setting and and those sorts of things. And you know, part of this is a necessary part of this is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ramo, uh, but as part of the dreaming process, you have to come to grips with some of those uh, barriers to to get there. That way, you understand the full picture, right? Right. And remember, though, they are barriers in the fact is they are opportunities that are yet unrealized. Okay. We don't look upon them as deficits. Say, oh, you don't know anything about XYZ technology. We don't say that because it's not true. Yeah, it is true that you do not know, but you've never had the opportunity or the need, right? So as we present these opportunities for improvement and stuff like that, we say, okay, Earl, you have you bring this. You understand podcasts. You understand technology. You understand the communicative process and all of this. That's what you bring. Now, let's add these other components to give you a fuller, more integrative understanding of what we need to become here in this area. That is dreaming based upon the recognized positive core that you and the other members bring to the table. And Earl, as a side note, this is where leaders are actually born to me because, remember, a community of people, of informed people learning is to be informed participants, but to be community leaders in and of themselves as well because they are unique with a perspective that greatly positions them to be a community leader, leadership. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say is, is, you know, no, no, you're, no, you're fine. I love to, I love to hear my, my thoughts validated there. So, um, but you know, that's, that's, you're right. I mean, cause the, these barriers, you, you have an option, right? When you identify these barriers, they can either be a barrier that stops you in your track, or as we talk about with appreciative inquiry, elevating past, there are barriers that you have to figure out a solution for. Right. And that's where leaders come into play. That's where the folks who are true leaders in your community, in your organization are going to shine because you may see, oh, well, we don't have the money for this. And then somebody chimes up and says, well, hey, I got a couple of ideas on how we can get the money for this. And that's what really sets this process apart is not letting these things stop you, but getting to that next level of figuring out how to knock down the barrier, climb over it, whatever it is. But it's not really a barrier that's going to stop you. It's a it's a, a problem that you get to find a solution for. That's right. 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 And that's where learning, this is community literacy, community learning, saying, okay, here may be an issue, but I have an idea and then bounce it off of the others and then they have ideas. And then the next thing you know, you have a solution. Yeah. And so that's going to be one of the other things we talk about here in uh, one of our upcoming episodes is uh, the concepts around cognitive diversity. That's a real big passion point of mine. And uh, I know we'll get into some some deeper conversations around that. But that's essentially what we're talking about here is cognitive diversity, diversity of thought. And that always creates better solutions than 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 mono thinking. Right. Is is exactly you get all of those different angles. I love it. Right. Uh, and that kind of leads us into the next D. I was just going to say that it does. It leads us directly into that is design. 
So this is where we are creating possibilities, propositions of, of what this community or organization can be. We articulate an organizational design, whether that's the community, a neighborhood, a nonprof. Let's right now, let's say this is a neighborhood, a neighborhood that has fallen for the past 30 years because the collapse of the steel industry and they've never yet rebounded. So let's go into there and say, let's, let's articulate a design for this community. Let's articulate this design based on a co-creation of dreams of what we can do. And then we say, okay, who has right now the comfort level, the capability of drawing upon and making some things happen? We begin this discussion. And then we magnify the positive course. Say, okay, Earl, you bring some leadership to this. Ramo, you bring some education, instructional design to it. Another person brings into account that they can get some money, leverage money to make it happen. Then we have somebody else who brings some other resources. And next thing you know, we're actually designing how we can improve a community through resource allocation, through leadership, and through instruction. So we magnify what the positive core and what was that, what each of us have to bring to an event, a situation, or a learning environment to realize the recently expressed dream. We dreamt something. We can make this neighborhood that can create workers, to create critical thinkers, to create community leaders and teachers of their children. Now we are designing this. I bring something, you bring something, they bring something. And the next thing you know, we are capable of designing this and moving it forward. Yeah. And, and you hit on something there that is is really core to all of this. And that is, you know, the, the connectivity, right? You, you use uh, the steel industry. Uh, but this is going on in a lot of places, you know, as, as the digital age takes over, people are using less and less paper. Paper mill towns are starting to dry up. And, and it's becoming harder to find jobs. Uh, we saw this in Detroit when the auto industry kind of tanked. You know, Detroit used to be kind of thriving and vibrant and have a lot of, uh, a lot of great architecture and have a lot of huge factories that churned out large number of vehicles per day. And, you know, a lot of those areas now are kind of run down and, and it's a very uh, economically depressed area. Um, as we turn more and more to uh, I'll, I'll use the term plant-based meat. You know, we're starting to see some of that in, in meat processing towns where the demand for, uh, for uh, traditional meat products, I'll put it that way. Uh, you know, we're starting to see some of that there. So, you know, this isn't just uh, one industry that needs to be taken account of all of this. This could happen in your town and your organization could be a part of this and your education system. And so, all of these things are connected through this process. And it's, again, why as we go through this We the Educators podcast and we talk about these topics, it is in your best interest to help us share these ideas with all of these folks, corporate trainers, doctors, lawyers, uh, business personnel, mayors, uh, all sorts of politicians, because everything we're talking about here is interconnected. And it moves us towards being able to help these communities be able to find what their next step is instead of drying up, instead of becoming run down, instead of, you know, just being shells of them former selves. It's we're already thinking about, okay, this is happening. What's next, right? 
Right. And to break the cycle of collapsing industry, whether it was steel, coal, uh, Detroit auto workers out in the Midwest, we had all kinds of appliance, GE, Whirlpool, Amana, and so forth. Everything has taken a collapse. But that does not mean that's the end. That is an opportunity now to reinvigorate what we can be, to be into the what the high-tech information age and so forth. That's where we are called to be. So instead of, dare I say, wallowing in three, four decades of a collapsed industry, let's take the steps. Let's appreciate who we are. Let's appreciate what we bring. And let's re-envision what we can be and then get back to a healthy, vibrant society where all people can participate, all people can contribute, and we all thrive. That's where the hopes of this is going. A hundred percent. And all of that brings us into that final D, destiny. Final D, destiny. That's where destiny is where we strengthen the positive the affirmative capability of all of us. And you mentioned it's throughout the country, which is the whole system. So what we can do in the Pittsburgh area, in the Detroit, in the Southwest, in the Midwest, in the South, and so forth, is we enable it to build hope. But even better is we make that hope come to fruition, to happen, but then we sustain it. This just isn't a flash in a pan over of what a two, five, ten year period. Through appreciative inquiry, we can always continue to remake, to envision what is needed and what do we need to do to keep the momentum, to sustain the momentum, and maintain healthy, vibrant societies throughout the future and longer to outlive just a very short um, time period, to sustain it 50, 100 years, to the next big change occurs, going from like the industrial age to the high-tech information age, those things. So what the destiny is, is creating a sustainable momentum of ongoing positive change and higher performance to include all people, not just a certain few, but all people, and make healthy neighborhoods in all places so they can improve their health care. They can improve their investments, which leads to retirement. And like you said, so insightfully, Earl, you said this is the medical community, heavy industry, service industry, and even nonprofits. And let's take, it's not even... Those who have a higher education, it is all people, including those who work on the streets, cleaning, uh, paving our roads, the forestry industry, and whatnot. Those who coach Little League, they are teachers also. They are educators. Those who are in a manufacturing plant, in charge of any person, you are an educator. And coming over the next months, we have some very insightful, wonderful educators that are going to lend their perspective and insight to all of this. But that is destiny, is giving the affirmative capability of the systems, not just one, but it's a link, connective weaving throughout all. Of, it is, to me, it is the 
oxygen of society, of the nation, that all comes together through a positive affirmation of everyone. Yeah, no, I, I 100%, 100% agree. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of share a story with folks, I think kind of highlights all this. So because, you know, I, I know, you know, when, when people hear folks like us talking about this, they may say, Earl Ramo, this sounds all fantastic. But, you know, my area is too far gone. My circumstances are too dire. There's no way that this is going to work. Um, so uh, you're familiar with the Hanoi Hilton, right, Ramo? Yes. Yes, I am. Okay. So maybe you've heard some of this. I, I don't know how much uh, you, you've gotten into that, but uh, there's a great couple of great books out now called uh, Lessons from the Hanoi Hilton and one called Leadership Lessons from the Hanoi Hilton. But they talk about this is uh, one of the things that uh, that they did. Uh, so the the ranking officer at the Hanoi Hilton, for those of you who don't know, let me back up just a second here. For those of you who don't know, the Hanoi Hilton was uh, the uh, POW camp for mainly for the pilots, for the officers in Vietnam. And the ranking uh, gentleman there was uh, Admiral James Bond Stockdale. And I always love saying his full name because it's James Bond Stockdale. Um, but he was a Stoic. And, and Stoics believe a lot of this stuff just kind of by their philosophy. And he made sure that as every individual came into the camp, that he made contact with them, that he let them know that that he knew that they were there. And he would take the time. They had this system. It was a very arduous system. Uh, but it was it was a series of of knocks, and there was a chart that they all knew where you know you would knock like say two times, and then you would pause for a second and knock like three times, and that stood for a letter, right? So they had to do this series of knocks for every single letter. So it would have been very easy to say this is too tough, but he reaches out to all these folks. He finds out who they are. He finds out what they have to offer. He goes through this appreciative inquiry process. I don't know if he knew what appreciative inquiry really was. But this is what he was doing, right? And he finds out what those strengths are. He finds out what everybody has. Uh, and he uses that information to keep their spirits up. And now keep in mind, if you've never heard about some of the things that these folks went through, uh, they, they went through a lot of a lot of torture to try to get information because these were high-ranking officers most of the time. They knew intel, and uh, the Vietnamese wanted to get the intel out of them. What kept them going was this appreciative inquiry process, all of these things, discovery, dream, design, destiny. And I think the part that's really relevant here is one of those things was they developed in this prison system, essentially a, a small university. The, the, the officers who knew history started teaching history. The officers who were engineers started, teaking, uh, started teaching architecture. Several of the gentlemen, when they were released, they went home and they they designed their own homes because they learned architecture in the prison. And the, the, the powerful piece about this is, is a lot of folks know Vietnam because of the negative mental impacts that it had on uh, soldiers who were in country. And the general uh, statistic is somewhere around 40% of all personnel in Vietnam suffered some form of PTSD. The Hanoi Hilton folks they were down about three to 4%. Now these were folks who suffered some of the most treacherous torture on a daily basis, but they had the highest mental health rate when they came back. And it was attributed to this. They had some of the highest success rates. These folks went on to be politicians, run fortune 500 companies, be successful 
uh, successful business people in, in all rights. Uh, some of them turned out to be uh, very successful pastors. But all of it comes back to this, is they had people in leadership who didn't see any, we talked about those barriers before, they didn't see any barrier as being too big to break down, and they took the time and they found the solutions. And that right there, if it can work in an environment as economically depressed as the Hanoi Hilton, and all of the barriers that they had, because doing these things meant that they were going to get tortured more, but they still did it. So you don't have a situation that's too dire. You don't have a situation that you can't overcome. And the proof is in the history. And this is why I love tying history into these things. So I thought that was a nice little story there to kind of hopefully, if you're thinking your situation's too too dire, look to the Hanoi Hilton. They did it. They, they, oh, they showed you you can do it. That is an incredible story of hope of, like you said, appreciating what each other brought to the environment and just kept things going. You know, they built upon the positive. What seemingly little there was, given the, the oppressive and abusive conditions of the Hanoi Hilton, they made it happen. That's wonderful story. Yeah. It, and, and it, you know, every time I read about that, it, it just amazes me, especially that, that education piece, because, you know, I think we uh, undervalue the value of education to, to lift people up. And, right. and, and, and that's kind of a critical piece of this podcast. And what we're talking about here is, is education to lift people up. Right. And I think what we need to also change the mindset in a sense is what is education? Education can also take place outside of formal school structures. It does not have to be always based in formal schooling. What you said in Hanoi Hilton, that, that's true. It was outside of formal school. We can look to parks, museums, uh, libraries, and other types of community places as educational spaces. Yeah. And let's not forget podcasts. Podcasts are a big piece there. So, you know, hopefully you're adding this into your educational cycle. And there's plenty of great podcasts out there uh, that, that you can get and and get high quality education from. And right. some of them are, are things that you'll never hear in a classroom. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Remo, is, is actually called Stuff You Didn't Learn in History Class. And there's a lot of great stories that, that they share on that podcast. Well, Earl, not to be too, uh, you know, um, boastful of you, but I've actually learned a lot listening to the leadership podcast, right? And a lot of this stuff is directly transferable to any community's adults to be a community leader. It gives the various components and everything else necessary to be a successful, engaging leader, but not, let's just say, not a, I don't want to use dominator, but they serve others to be a recognized leader, as it were. And that is very helpful as well. And it comes through education. And excellent thought are all these said about, you know, education does not have to take place there. So uh, 
what history didn't tell me and so forth. I've heard of those, but one of the things I often found is the robust learning within organizations, whether it's a, a little league team, whether it's a men's softball team, whether it's the bridge club on a Thursday night, or even at bingo, some of the most robust learning experiences occur in those social environments outside of formal educational structures. We just need to recognize that as a society and as a nation. Yeah, no, I, I again, I agree. And I think that's the, the kind of one of the key elements here of appreciative inquiry is, you know, and again, this is not a knock on the education, formal education right. system at all, no. right. but that criteria is, it's very uniform. It's set to a standard, you know, yes, each district gets to set their own curriculum, but every student in that district gets taught the same exact thing. Well, one of the things we struggle with as a society is to come to grips with the fact that not every, not every learner is interested in every one of those topics. And you may have somebody who's really struggling because they're not, being taught topics that really play to their strengths. Through appreciative inquiry, you can have the the discussion with that learner, find out and maybe tailor a lesson plan to them. And now all of a sudden you've got an A plus student, right? right? And some of the most insightful minds of engineering and science have trouble adhering to the standard. School districts are an, a very valuable arc in the circle of society, but they are one arc. There are other arcs in that circle that are, that are just as robust and rich in learning opportunities. And getting back to those engineers who are, their mind doesn't work like other people's. They see things in 3D. They have trouble with focusing attention, attention deficit, if you will, in the normal structure. Learning outside of formal education is a wonderful way. Let them do, let them learn through the doing. Let them get into clubs or let's say exploring groups in museums, in libraries, in the county park and design little projects to help the citizens of the area. And then they get their learning affirmed that they, they've achieved a certain standard similar to that of the school district. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, and history is, is riddled with, uh, with examples of folks who right. took that non-conventional route and right. quite literally changed the world. Right. And I said, Earl, you know, formal schooling, we're not knocking it, but they are one arc of a healthy society. How can we draw upon and appreciate the strengths and positivity that each member, each group in society, both formal and non-formal, what do they bring to help the citizens of that society to a greater quality of life, to a greater quality of health, and so forth? I think there's where we need to focus, not on little competency standards or this or that, but look at the overall picture of what each person can bring. Love it. So if there's one thing that you want our listeners, uh, before we wrap this episode up here, if there's one thing that you want our listeners to really take away about appreciative inquiry, what would that be? Let's just say 
Appreciative inquiry can bring people together to better understand their reality, their environment, and the situations in which they are immersed and change it for the better. So what we want to do is we want to question the very nature of knowledge and who the knowledge is benefiting. And deficit structures were designed with certain agendas in mind. Let's break through that as a community, as a society, as a region, as a nation. Let's break through that and begin to dare to think differently, to reimagine what represents the interests of everyday people out there not working for glory or fame, but working for the betterment of health and improvement within their own neighborhood, community, and society. Appreciative inquiry allows us to dare to dream that and bring it to a destiny. So I would urge all people interested, contact Seabree and we can talk with you about this. And we can become then appreciating the positive core and building from there. I love it. And uh, folks, we will have the contact information so you can find out more about uh, Seabree Research. Uh, we have the link to the website so you can find out a little bit more about who we are and what we do. And I'll have uh, my email address and Ramo's email address so you can reach out to us directly. Uh, look forward Ramo, to it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. And, uh, you know, folks, again, do us a favor. Make sure that you rate, review, subscribe, and share this show. Um, anybody, you know, we talked a lot about what an educator is in this episode. Anybody who fits that bill, doctors, lawyers, teachers, um, corporate trainers, anybody, managers, team leaders, we go down the list, share this show with anybody that you can think of, uh, that, that can get something out of this and, and go through this appreciative inquiry process in your realm. And let's see what we can do. Union officials, yeah. the rank and file, um, team leaders in various organizations. You yep. are all educators. Let's connect and weave this positive core through all of us. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. And uh, listeners, thank you for being with us as we had this discussion about appreciative inquiry. Uh, we really want to hear from you. That's part of appreciative inquiry. Let us know. What did you like about this episode? Uh, what did you take away? How have how have we made your life better as, as part of this process? And what can you add? And what, what can, can you add? add? Girl? You know, we're yeah. open to learn from them. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We'll have those links in the, bio, in the uh, show notes so you can get to us. Answer those questions. Let us know. We look forward to hearing from you. And... We look forward to speaking with you all again in the next episode.